1: Hey everybody, this is David Paul, the host of the Capital Stack Podcast, where I talk to founders, operators, and investors about all thing value creation in startups. Today I am talking to Josh Wagner from, fuck, are you unemployed, man? Like, what you-
0: Dude, totally unemployed. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, which one of those am I? Am I a founder, <laughs> an investor? Uh, like, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. I don't know which one. So yeah, I am currently uh Founder and a uh, co-founder and partner at In Revenue Capital and also acting CRO at Rising Cloud.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's unpack that. Who is Josh Wagner?
0: Yeah. So Josh is a, uh, you know, 20, 25 year sales, sales executive type vet, was a failed entrepreneur early in my career. Started a production company out of college because I didn't want to get a job. You know, I, I thought that would be a cooler route to go. Porn. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> who else makes money in production any other way?
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah.
0: So we started doing that for a few years, you know, made a couple bucks. But honestly, you know, when my partner and I took a step back and looked in the mirror, it was funny. We both got married the same year and like on the road 10 months out of the year. And did we actually build a business or would you just kind of create some jobs for ourselves that made a little <laughs> bit of money? We're like, yeah, we didn't build anything yeah. scalable. Like yeah. the latter. Yeah. Yeah. We're hustling. Right. So <laughs> we parted ways. Let's go find some experience in life. He went one way, I went another. I um, mean, you know, I wound up building out a biz dev motion for a local e learning company. And um, what was really fun about that was. They were actually a legacy production company. They got crushed by 9-11. Their, their company, their, their big customers were like America West Airlines, for those of you Arizona people that remember America West Airlines. So I mean, they didn't have revenue for a number of months. Like, how do we pivot these resources into something valuable? And they turned it into an e-learning company. So my job was to basically do a couple of things. One, figure out which of the book of business could we pivot to e-learning, and then could we go out and find either new customers or new vertical markets we could tap into? Because at this point, e-learning was still somewhat mature. We weren't going to go beat Saba for right. institutional educational e-learning. We're just right? talking
1: like LMS, right?
0: LMS and custom content, right? Yeah. Like, what are you going to yeah. hang on it? So our strategy was really finding niched vertical markets where we could, with high compliance and low sophistication, frankly, mm-hmm. and win and partner with a subject matter expert brand this whole business around that subject matter expertise we did mind safety we did green building we did insure specialized nist insurance we'd these really interesting things and use the, the the e-learning company as a shared service essentially and just create these little like branded things mm-hmm. so did that for a number of years um had a good time doing it. In that time, I got reconnected with a dude named Justin Gray that you might know. The
1: Justin Gray? The Justin Gray. Okay. Yeah.
0: Jay Gray Matter. Mm-hmm. The, the real Jay Gray, for those of you that worked in LeadMD mm-hmm. for any amount of time. We uh, reconnected over LinkedIn, grabbed a lunch, and talked to him about the e-learning stuff. He talked to me about this crazy business he was starting out of his garage, implementing a marketing automation platform called Marketo. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm like, oh, my God, that's cool. Fast forward a little bit. I wind up selling him some e-learning program for one of his businesses. It was a payment processing business at mm-hmm. the time. And billing tree? It wasn't billing tree. Mm-hmm. This was paid suite. So this Got was post billing tree. Got it. Yeah. And he winds up selling me Marketo and Salesforce and the services <laughs> to do this as the head of business development. Again, the head of one person myself yeah. at this e-learning company, <laughs> yeah. right? And so far as
1: he I, hasn't sold me anything yet. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any new pieces of my software stack. Yet.
0: Yeah, correct. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I buy it and I start running it and I become, you know, an early adopter of Marketo. We we're talking 2011, 2012. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still pretty new in the market. And fast forward, then a couple of years, I'm starting to kind of wind down looking for something different from what I'm doing. I get this text from Justin and he's like, Hey man, I need someone who understands this shit to come sell it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. To go in I interview and that was 2014 I started at LeadMD I spent the last almost 9 years there we were acquired in the early part of 2021 and then Justin and I are getting the band back together so we are founding co-founding in Revenue Capital and during that time I had been doing some advising and and different things along the way Rising Cloud is a cloud computing platform that I have some personal investments in and um they needed some help going to market right like the The company's starting to get some legs behind them, so it's like kind of that maturity point where you need to have a little bit of established sales motion. How are you going to work with partners? What's the training and enable going to look like, and all and all of those types of things? So again, I don't know that CRO means much when you're the CRO of one, me, but it is what it is, right?
1: It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, so, what is uh, the genesis of? in revenue capital is it you know justin made his bones and you all made some money and you guys are going out and, and doing it or like is there is it where's the opportunity
0: yeah so it's an interesting question i would say summer of this past year in, in 22 justin i get a text hey can you meet for breakfast this week I'm like yeah sure you know i've worked for the guy for a number of years so you, you kind of never know what direction he's going to go in but this is i'm just like yeah i'm open to talk about whatever He's like, listen, I'm, I'm probably out in six months. I don't know what your plans are, but I want to do something together. I don't know what it is yet. And it was literally this just like kernel of an idea. Like, sure. do we you know, spin up another services business? I mean, that sounds fucking horrible, but do we spin up another services right. business? Do we, you know, go find some piece of software we can develop? Like, li- li- listen, it was like throwing ideas right. at a wall, right? hmm so we started getting into a cadence every few weeks of getting back together. We started this document, this brainstorming document and a G drive, and it was just dumping stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Like, what can we do? What are going to do this. And then we eventually landed on this concept of, well, we don't want to do services, but there is a gap, especially for early stage founders in figuring out how to go to market like sales and marketing. Everyone says they need it, but they don't really know where to start, what it is like traditional VC is going to say, go hire your VP of sales, you know, get a little small army of SDRs going, maybe get a couple of AEs that got a couple of relationships. Like that's the playbook that's been around forever. And we're sitting here thinking, yeah, I mean, you can do those things, but it's high risk. Like sales and marketing hires are high churn. They're expensive. Like there's a lot of risk going. You into don't
1: have it. that many at bats to make that work. You don't.
0: And it's such an expensive hire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have to have like it, and there's so many different flavors of salespeople out there. But first you can follow, first and foremost, you've got to find a cowboy, someone who's willing to like build the company with you. You can't just hire some guy from Oracle right. who's, you know, plugged into the matrix and all the systems and process and everything's mm-hmm. ready to go. I mean, there's a big uh, spectrum there, but you know what I mean, right? Like just weeding through a, you know, a lot of founders don't even know there's a difference. Mm-hmm. If you're an engineer product-driven founder, you might have no idea that there's different types of salespeople, right? Sure. So that's a a hurdle. So even this concept of just, all right, how do we bring some operational expertise? We did a great job of selling to and through partners. So finding software ecosystems that we can plug into, leverage their sales armies to go out and open doors and get at bats and then we bring value through there and help them accelerate deal cycles close bigger deals um, wrap services around it create solutions rather than just like these you know point things Mm -hmm. how can we bring that mentality to help reduce the burden on an individual salesperson to go out and like you know
1: hawk your shit
0: yeah right knock on doors sell vacuums you know cold call Mm -hmm. all the the bullshit that happens right like it still to a certain extent has to happen but that stuff's noisy it's getting more saturated how many emails do you get a day how many cold calls do you get a day of people trying to pitch you shit i mean
1: yeah i mean like that's a really good point i was just you know thinking about that i mean is it it, it it's it's the opportunity but it really is i mean just an abundance of of noise so much noise i mean how how many linkedin messages are there how many emails are there <clears throat> And what's really gonna get you get you mind share in an in an environment where there's just because people are over solutioned.
0: Yeah. Well put it this way. I I put CRO on my LinkedIn a week ago for Rising Cloud. <laughs> How many that was a huge mistake, by the way? I should have remembered. I was I was VP for a minute at Lead M D and it was just a shit show. But I mean, it's 10 a day, just LinkedIn direct messages from everybody selling everything from data to web development services. And none of it's tailored. None of it's, it's just these blanket copy and paste massive messages. They don't know who I am, what I do. Anyone who cuts through the noise a little bit, I'll take a phone call. Right. right? But like, it's just noisy. And it's lazy. Yeah. It's lazy. It's noisy. It's batch and blast. It's, it's activity driven metrics that don't drive the business. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's unfortunate. So many of these VPs of sales and, and CROs come into these businesses and they weren't really. Uh, my favorite saying, so I have a podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shameless plug real quick. called the Love Selling Hate Sales Podcast. And I one can't of my, believe
1: you're plugging your own podcast on my podcast. Yeah, it's I've, unbelievable. It's, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so take it all in. <laughs> so on that show, my, one of my favorite saying is nobody went to school for sales and even less people school, went to school for sales management. Mm-hmm. Like. You all just did what your boss told you. Right. You bitched about it, right? Right. You're like, oh, my boss is such an asshole. Like, all he does is this and this and that. He's like, hey, you, uh, you want to be a sales manager? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do weird pipeline management calls. I'm going to manage mm-hmm. activity. Nobody knows unless yeah. you have a great mentor who did like caught lightning in a bottle. You're just going to do what the guy before you did, even though it sucked.
1: Right. And yeah, I don't think anybody goes to college wanting to be a salesman. No. Or
0: even a manager, yeah, like, oh, like you know
1: operations. What? Like, hey, operate. Yeah, I want to. I want to be in business operations, but there's yeah. no really. There's not a business that actually exists.
0: Frontline sales manager. Mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. I'll have that. Yeah, put me. Give me a quota.
0: Yeah. Right. I'll,
1: be I'll run into it. <clears throat> Nor is there any really training for that. Anyway.
0: It's starting to grow. It's starting to become a thing. You're seeing like sales assembly and, and stuff like that. Like, it, it's a growing, obvious gap in the marketplace. But mm-hmm. no, I mean, there's still no like hardcore. I'm going to go to Harvard and get a sales degree.
1: So I see a ginormous opportunity in what you guys are doing essentially because marketing and sales are are such a diverse set of skill sets. I mean, in marketing you have the strategist, you have Mm -hmm. the executor, you have uh, the branding person, the messaging person, and they candidly can't afford any of it. Right.
0: Marketing is an insanely diverse profession right now. Yeah. So you, you rattled some things off, but like, technologist right. <laughs> ops like mm-hmm. spreadsheet guy i mean there right. are a million different like hard tangible skills in marketing now that didn't even exist 20 years ago and now you put a cmo over top of it and that cmo could have come from brand that cmo could have come from technology mm-hmm. and not have any clue about the other one
1: mm-hmm. it's
0: an incredibly crazy discipline
1: so how does an early stage company navigate this stuff
0: So it's just hacks, dude. Like you, you watch it. It's funny because, you know, I, I would make fun of this stuff because we did a lot of consulting for, you know, fortune 500s and stuff like that. So you're kind of in the machine and Mm -hmm. you can make little tweaks and this and that. And people think it's like you invented water. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm back in startup world and I'm like, oh dude, I got to like duct tape this thing together. Right. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the foundation is good data. Like where can you find data that matters to your business. And that's the biggest challenge that people don't even realize you go to a, you know, a seamless or a zoom info or whoever these data providers are, they all have good stuff, but do they have stuff for your business? Mm -hmm. Like how can I get good data? And then how can I leverage it in a really smart way? Right. Can I get some really interesting, like Personally relevant outbound going—that's kind of light lift, right? Like like through email and SMS and things like that. Um, can I partner with some people in the industry? I think you know, partnerships is a big one, right? Can they can elevate our brand? So think about at LeadMD, we partnered with Marketo. Marketo was a big up and coming marketing automation platform. So our association with them as their premier services partner that elevated our brand. So we weren't spending now millions of dollars on brand awareness because we were doing that through a partner who had relationships in the market and they could put stuff out on our behalf. They could introduce us to customers, things like that. So I think that's a big one for early stage companies. Like who can you tap into? Mm -hmm. What is, what's a compliment? Where's a compliment where you add value to their customers? They add value to your customers. How can you get in the door? How can you make everybody more money? Yeah, it could be a rev share. It could just be deal acceleration. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. But really looking hard at,
1: What's deal acceleration?
0: Just closing deals faster.
1: How do, you, how do you offer that?
0: So, you know, we've sold professional services. And the interesting part about that is in a challenge as a software seller, right? If you come in as a software salesperson, they know you're selling software, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, You've kind of got... The answer to the question is, oh, Marketo,
1: all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm here to solve your problem as long as it's to buy Marke- software. Yeah, <laughs> as long as it's
0: Marketo, right? Like you can slice and dice it any way you want. But if you have the ability to be a independent third party that can come in as more of that solution engineer. And that's the role we tried to play a lot of times with solution engineer. And you can really dig into, you're not worried about feature function. You're worried about what does this do to the business? What is the ROI here? What, you know, are we replacing headcount? Are we um, getting better conversion rates? You know, what are all those different things? You can kind of solution around it and you can build a deal thesis that says, I always love putting in the uh, cost of delay into my model, and it's like the simplest thing ever. Yeah,
1: but no one does that. But no
0: one does it, right? right. So I'd build out this funnel model, right? Mm-hmm. And it would show, oh, you optimize this, this, and this, blah, blah, blah. You see a hundred million dollar lift in three years. The cost of delay is eighty thousand dollars a month, right? right. Like if, if you don't <laughs> sign. So just simple stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's funny. I remember my brother told me. So he's an executive in the restaurant industry, and you know, I was building this model one time, and I he say, hey, can I float this past you? And he goes, dude, you know what I love about this? He said, executives know there's opportunity. Like they know that there's an, a chance to go do this or that, but they love to just see it in their face because they're mm-hmm. optimistic. Like, mm-hmm. they, oh, $100 million lift by doing this or $10 million, whatever it is, they love to see it. And when people remind them, it's like the simplest thing. They love it. They get mm-hmm. so jazzed up about it. So even that idea of creating some urgency around getting you from here to here by doing this thing is a deal accelerator.
1: And then how do you learn that?
0: Uh, So it's just testing. Yeah. So it's another funny uh, thing. I talk about a lot on the love selling hate sales podcast, (laughs) shameless plugs all around is it's not enough in sales anymore. And this is what companies do such a bad job of teaching people is, you know, they go through product training and they go through the slicks and the battle cards and all the process and all this kind of stuff. But, if you want to be really good at sales, you need to be a good business person. And I told you before I failed at my first business, but that doesn't mean I didn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. I learned about a PL, I learned about a balance sheet. I mm-hmm. learned about cash flow. I learned about cost of goods sold. I learned about all these things that I needed to learn about that I don't care if your business is one person or your Apple, those are the things you think about. Mm-hmm. It's orders of magnitude, right? But that gives me this certain level of confidence to walk into a room with another CEO and say, oh, I can put myself in your shoes. This is what you're probably thinking about right now. Are you in cost reduction mode or are you in like acceleration mode? What do you need to hear from me right now? And I think there's such an incredible opportunity for salespeople right now. You could start any kind of business. You could start a podcast business. You could start a a Shopify drop ship business. Like start a little side hustle and kind of get that feeling of, what it is to manage something, it'll help you. Even if you never want to do that and that's not your long-term thing, just getting some very basic business acumen, which you don't see enough of, especially in young sellers coming out. All they get taught is call, 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 email, like mm-hmm. activity, activity, activity. That's it's not like-
1: No intention behind it.
0: No intention behind it. In what world is- The most junior person in your organization who's six months out of college going to have an intelligent conversation with a CFO. Let's say you're selling your product to CFOs.
1: Mm -hmm. What if you do get them on the phone? Right. What are you (laughs) you going to say? Right. We're assuming you're not. So you have to do a hundred calls. But what if like five of them answer? What are you going to do? What are
0: you going to say? Right. How are you going to hold this conversation even for 20 seconds? Mm -hmm. Like, come on. It's ridiculous.
1: So how do you manage time spent on research? Because I think this is going to be really interesting to see how you do this from a deal flow perspective. Yeah is like, how are you going to think about, you know, time to learn, mm-hmm. right? And time to strategize and time to think before going to market and um, learning. And yeah so, and like, I guess that ties into your whole deal flow. Yeah. Motion. Totally. I'm dropping motion. Motion. that That's a big gray one. Yeah.
0: Um, so I really, we, 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 Justin and I often talk about developing a cheat code, you know, something that's going to give you a leg up you know, it's a cheat code, right? It's a up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, Mm AB select start. Was that contra Mm -hmm. from from our Nintendo (laughs) days? So what's the cheat code? And and for us oftentimes, and this is another Justinism, I don't mean to steal it because I'm sure you'll have him on at some point, but, um, relationships are the only currency that matters. And I think that outbound in sales and like in a deal flow standpoint, it's going to, it's going to mash up, right? Um, what are those relationships that you can use to open doors faster? So we'll look at it from a sales standpoint. Then we'll look at it from a deal, deal flow standpoint. So from a sales standpoint, if you're selling into the CFO again, what's going to get a better response? Your junior SDR or your CFO reaching out to him and saying, hey, I did this thing. You might be interested in it. Can we set up a call? Right. That's very oversimplified. But I think that's what the future of Outbound is going to turn into. It's going to turn into either SDRs or AEs being very strategic researchers and basically having to come to their executive team for them to do outreach and say, here's my research. This is why these five companies are worth your time to reach out to. And here's the pain points. This is what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Here. Like, really, Everyone
1: has to be an analyst.
0: They're an analyst. You arm them, you mm-hmm. get them set up, and now your CFO reaches out to their CFO. It opens the door, and then you can quarterback the rest of it from the back end. So it's like this upfront, you almost have to pitch your C-suite on why you think your five customer reach outs are worth their time this week. Mm-hmm. They do it. It's highly strategic, highly valued. Then you're quarterbacking everything on the back end. I think that's going to happen. It's already starting to happen in enterprise deals and you'll start to see it come down market a little bit just cause it is so noisy. Right.
1: Yeah. I believe that. Um, I buy that, that, that thesis. Um, you know, I, I've generally always had a stale, um, taste in my mouth when it comes to partnerships in early stage companies, Mm -hmm. because they all look great when they, yeah, yeah, when they first start. And then, you know, you don't know that they are, you waste a lot of resources, you're giving away margin Mm -hmm. and you know, it's a very long path to value. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how do you think about identifying the right ones and focusing and doubling down?
0: It is really the, the complimentary part, right? Like in, in, if the only, if the, if the answer is what's your spread that you're paying, hmm. Right. Well, then we're not really partners. Right. You're resellers, your referral partners, whatever. Yeah, right? They're
1: there just to beat you down on your margin. Yeah.
0: That's not a partner. Right. Like you really want to look. For, and there's a couple of things. There's referral partnerships. And if that's what you want, that's fine. But it has to be pretty low friction for you. That's like, hey, I'm going to give you a couple points to refer me a deal and we'll take it from there. Fine. If, if you want to do that, you want to build a stable of those, that's fine. That's not a partnership. That's just kind of a referral relationship. There is...
1: But easy to get off the ground.
0: Easy to get off the ground. Yeah. So there's pretty low friction, right? You give up a couple points on a deal, whatever, you get more at-bats if they do, right? Like, that's the thing is people will sign those things, but you'll never hear from them.
1: So yeah, so that's what I... Yeah, I guess that's like... The good thing is, is you're not giving up a lot of points. You're taking the relationship over immediately. Right. Um, but you are not necessarily, the partnership isn't really set up to succeed because you're not doing a bunch of upfront work with them.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I like to look for, especially for a founder, mm-hmm. right? Who's early stage. You kind of want to look for almost that imbalance. Mm-hmm. Kind of like with us and Marketo, right? That they, they're much bigger. Us spiffing them 10% on a services means deal yeah. means nothing. They don't care about it. So what is it that we can do to, to give them an, an inordinate amount of value that isn't monetary and it, but it's complimentary, right? Mm-hmm. Like shit, their customers are churning. We know, we know that. So how can we keep them from turning on the back end? We provide a killer service that is very easy to, to get things off the ground.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. That's value to them. That's value to their executive team. Their executive team can push it down. So I would look for that imbalanced relationship where you can provide super high value by what you're offering
1: you're going to overservice their clients,
0: right? Whatever it is. And it could be a product doesn't have to right. necessarily mm-hmm. be like, you know, there's lots of product uh, in the tech ecosystem. You know, big one I, that I, that comes to mind is a company called lean data. And they solve kind of that operational pain point of lead routing and, mm. you know, rules. Right. And it's, it's, if you've ever worked in Salesforce, it's a pain in the ass. Like it's all manual. You have to build mm-hmm. all this code and this and that they basically plug in this widget couple things in the wizzy and now all your lead routing and lead management has happened and that's a great value for Marketo because Marketo is trying to prove their value out to say oh we're, we're proving marketing's I- ROI well sure but if you can't track what marketing did and tie it to the salespeople you're never going to prove anything mm-hmm. so that like intermediary was a nice fit for them from a technology standpoint right mm-hmm. um, so again getting people to think about holistic solutions and how you fit into that ecosystem is, is a nice little little way to think about it.
1: So I'm sure you're going to eat your own dog food and, mm. and start doing that from a deal sourcing perspective.
0: Yeah. And, and even it's starting now, right? And I'll, I'll, I'll give a simple example that, that'll make sense for a, for a VC like yourself, just talking to other VCs, right? Like we've certainly built a, a stable of relationships and that's a very circular relationship, which I like about it, right? We're going to look for those on one end, you've got the angel investors, the people that are trying to get their investments to the next stage. Mm-hmm. So making lots of friends there um, we're a value to them because we could help them find a liquidity event and move them into the next stage, right? And then on the other end, there are A, B round funders who they're evaluating deals all the time that might be too early for them. That could be a, a, mm-hmm. a deal source for for us to look at. But then they're also looking for what's their next good one. We build a good relationship with them. We mature one of our investments. Now we have a liquidity event and they have a new investment that they can make. So that's like, again, everyone wins in that scenario and it's kind of building this little ecosystem within the friendlies that you can start to work off of.
1: And what about the fundraising?
0: What about the fundraising? Yeah. That's all relationships right now. I mean, that's literally, I mean, there's no cheat code yet that I've figured out. I mean, Mm -hmm. right now we are really leaning on who we know, um, tapping into those people that, especially those people that have gone and had liquidity events in their careers. You know, some Mm -hmm. people that were at, Marketo and Engageo and Demand Base and all these companies that, you know, they had nice events and, and that's where we can tap into and say, Hey, you know, you worked with us so many years ago, here's what we're doing. We've got some investments for you to look at. Would you be interested in looking at deals? And that's how it's going right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, so far the feedback's been pretty good, but I can't say that we're, you know, flooding in cash at the moment, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's early. We're a couple of weeks in.
1: It is very difficult. It's a very difficult job. And usually it gets easier once you start getting a couple underneath your belt.
0: Yeah, we have nothing to show for it at this point. I, mm-hmm. I can't say that I made this guy,
1: you know, money. a couple
0: million dollars. And sometimes
1: so. you might, and they still won't put money in your next deal because right. they pucker or they lost money in another deal that right. like somebody else did. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's an emotional game for sure.
0: Yeah, I wish I could tell you I had the, the ultimate cheat code, but it is honestly relationships. And I think we're both fortunate enough to have built some good ones over the last decade.
1: Yeah, I do. I do believe that relationships are the, the greatest currency. All right. What is the biggest cheat code for a founder today?
0: Biggest cheat code for a founder. Well, I, I do, like we said, we talked about what are, how can you scale, go to market quickly and tap into a cash source without having to just put a bunch of dialers on it and, and mm-hmm. just, you know, banging down doors. Um, it starts with getting, in my, in my opinion, getting very smart about targeting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I truly believe niche wins. If you're all things to all people, you're nothing to no one. Mm -hmm. And the only person who can be all things to all people is Walmart and Apple. Yeah.
1: And they didn't start that way. They
0: did not start that way. Mm -hmm. Correct. So dominate your niche. I don't care if it's, you know, selling IT services to plumbers. Mm -hmm. If the plumbers are the guys you service, great. And you dominate that until you can have, you're you're completely saturated. And then you find the next nearest neighbor uh, who's after that electricians. great. We're going to go dominate. You know what I mean? Just kind of like, yeah figure out like what that niche is and how you can sell into that niche and be that solution for that, per- that, that persona, that, that niche, it'll just help you. It'll make you feel like you're a part of something and you can create an ecosystem off of it. Right. And it'll e- be easier for once you figure out what that targeting looks like. And that niche looks like identifying your partners who are going to have the most value is going to be easier. Right. anything, it'll help you narrow your time. There's only so much of it as a founder, you're doing everything right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, couple can questions to end the pod. Oh, what uh, is your favorite book?
0: Uh, so I recently read a book called Mega Deal Secrets, mm. and it's really fun. It's a, a former enterprise sales guy who did like five hundred million in software sales in two years. Made had a couple you know million dollar W two years and retired. But what I love about it, one, it's not some big author that everybody mm-hmm. knows. It, it's kind of fun. The way he told the story was so great. So he, he opened the book with when eager. Is that how you say it? This Disney CEO, Iger, Iger, Iger. When Iger took over the first time at Disney and he pitched the board on buying Pixar. That's how he sets up the premise of a mega deal mm-hmm. and like runs that thread throughout. I just think he did a really nice job. That's and cool. It's, it's an easy read. I mean, you can do it on a flight. Um, so yeah, yeah. Mega deal secrets. Jamal Reimer, Reimer is his name. I'd give it a check out.
1: Best piece of business
0: advice. Best piece of business advice. Start a business. Start something. <laughs>
1: there you go. Just like, do it. Just
0: do something. Like mm-hmm. I said, it could be a drop ship business. It could be, uh, um, I wrote a little online course for how to build a business case in sales. Mm-hmm. Turn that, you know, I can go sell it online. I do this and that. Like, just do something to keep the creative juices flowing because you'll never, you'd be surprised at how much that you can just like, oh, that little nugget i can apply this over here in the main business right Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you can fail cheaper yeah right totally you might start get to a point in your business where failure might start getting expensive Mm -hmm. like have a little like playground over here you know that costs you exactly very little yeah
1: um awesome where can people reach you where can they send you deals how can they get in touch with you? Send me all the deals. All the deals.
0: Yeah. So it's just josh at nrevenue.capital. Okay. Pretty simple. Um, my site is joshuadwagner.com. So that's pretty easy. And if you want to, you can listen to the Love Selling Hate Sales podcast.
1: <laughs> okay. That was like the fifth time. Yeah. And what, what is your profile target for company? Have you guys gotten there?
0: Yeah. So we're really looking at that. Um bridge, like C to a bridge round, you know, mm-hmm. companies that are in those growth stages, they've established some product market fit, maybe have a little bit of revenue. Um, but, you know, it's founder led growth at this point. And now they need to light a light a little, put a little gasoline on the fire and get that go to market motion dialed in. And we're going to be looking at not only bringing the capital as a part of that investment, but bringing some operational go to market expertise alongside of it for a period of time.
1: Awesome. Sounds good. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to The Capital Stack. We drop an episode every Tuesday on all your favorite platforms, Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. If you like it, tell a friend, leave a review, cancel me, do whatever. And I will see you next week. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for tuning in to The Capital Stack Podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. David Paul is the founder and general partner at DWP Capital. All opinions expressed by David and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of DWP Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. David and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed on this podcast.